0: You are listening to the Star Coach Podcast with Meg Rinchler. episode 56. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, Take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Renschler as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Welcome to the Star Coach Show. I'm your host, Meg Renschler, and in our commitment to you at the Star Coach Show, I want to continue to provide different strategies, tools, and resources that you can use in your coaching, whether that is specific to skill development or service delivery, the way that we reach and deliver our services to our clients, or in the different kinds of services that are available to us as clients. And then there's always that whole concept around business building and creating credibility and getting out there to let people know about the kinds of services that we provide and continue to build our businesses. Now, if you've ever been in that place of networking and walking into a room full of strangers feeling uncomfortable or out of sorts, not certain what to do, then you're going to really enjoy our guest today. Susan Rowan will share strategies for, quote, working any room and how we can be savvy with our networking. Susan's been named by Forbes.com as one of the expert network gurus of our time. She is in demand as an international keynote speaker. And for over three decades, she shared her message of how to connect and communicate with audiences worldwide. She speaks, she writes, and she interviews on shows. And that's what she's doing with us today. She's the author of the classic bestseller, How to Work a Room, Which has sold over 1.2 million copies in 13 countries. So she knows her stuff. She also wrote the secrets of savvy networking and several other well received books. So Susan is coming to us today to share some specific strategies that we can use as we connect with others and use networking as one of those tools that can help us connect with others, build our reputation, and build our businesses. So let's go to our interview with Susan Roan. join me in welcoming to the show today, my guest, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and mingling maven, Susan Rowan. Welcome. It's so well, good to have you here.
1: Oh, Meg, this is just already started to be fun before we started.
0: We will share some, including your powerful book. So you first wrote How to Work a Room over 25 years ago, correct?
1: Yes. This November, the book will have its 28th birthday. Wow. It's this, this is the fourth iteration of it. So it's not the same book it was 28 years ago. This because is like so the, much has changed. So much has changed, Meg. But in reality, people have stayed the same in that we still want to walk into any event. We still want to meet people. We want to be comfortable. We want to make friends. We don't want to worry about spinach in our teeth. Hey, I've got the solution for that for all you health nuts. Don't eat spinach. <laughs> That's my big takeaway. But really, in that way, we haven't changed. What has changed and unfortunately has changed our behavior is technology.
0: So how do you then work in the concepts of changing technology into how somebody works their networking and, and the, the, the concepts that you teach?
1: Well, having been a sixth grade teacher, I say things like, put your cell phone and smartphone away. Don't take it out. I even did this at a talk I gave in Silicon Valley, a thousand people in the room. Before the talk, I go around just to, you know, kind of see the audience. Two guys in the back are, you know, texting, texting. And I looked at them and said, if you don't put that away, I'm putting you in the corner. And this guy looked at me, I said, hey, I'm a former teacher. And he goes, oh my God, my mother was a second grade teacher. And he put his phone away. First of all, we have to make people aware that it's bad manners. And I know that sounds very old school, But every one of us knows that we do judge people by their behavior, their manners, not just the etiquette, if you know which fork to use, who does, there are 25 forks, I can't figure it out, but how you comport yourself, how do you behave, how do you treat people? Well, that means when you're in an event and you're standing there with people talking to them, you don't have your phone out. So I think there's little things that everyone's saying we need to reiterate, but I do think it's all teachable. It's all teachable. What isn't teachable? is the essence of your soul and in there in your heart, do you really like people? Because I've met people who don't like people. In fact, I did this on a radio show in San Francisco, a 50,000 watt station. Talk about reverse psychology. I said, and by the way, if you don't like people, please don't buy my book. Well, the host went, okay, Susan, can you explain? I said, if you don't like people, Anything I've written will look like a tactic. It won't look true. But if you like people, if you think of yourself as shy or an introvert, but in your heart you like people, everything is something you can try.
0: So let's talk about some of the things in how to work a room that create the things that we might want to try. I mean, what are some of the basic premises of your book?
1: The first one is, I, I call this, we have to remedy the roadblocks. The first one is that and I want to say this because all of you are coaches, you're going to have people you're working with who are like this. Anywhere from 80 to 90% of American adults self-identify as shy, which pretty much means they're uncomfortable walking into situations that are new. Some of us might be uncomfortable walking into situations we've been in before knowing, oh my gosh, this might happen again. So when you understand that people are shy, that and that's important. Also, If you understand people are shy, then it's incumbent on us to make that first move. So that's number one. The second thing is what stops us. I called it mother's dire warnings. The things your mother said, don't talk to strangers. Okay, so that's my number one premise of my book and my life as I live it is this, talk to strangers. That's how you find out directions to the local museum when you're in a new town. Mm-hmm. I was once giving a speech in, I guess it was Bloomfield Hills, Michigan. Michigan? And, right yeah. near my
0: hometown. Okay. Oh, there you go. Where are you from? I'm from a place, Brighton, Michigan, but it's cl- it's
1: close. Well, it's close. So I'm sitting at an outdoor cafe and the people next to me are saying, oh, we're going to San Francisco on Monday and blah, blah, blah. I'm from San Francisco. I said, I couldn't help but overhearing. May I give you some restaurants, some highlights? They were so grateful they took notes. So here's another thing I say in my book. Overhearing is good. And I don't mean eavesdropping all of the movie nine to five under the toilet, uh, whatever. I mean, when you hear someone that sounds lost, if you have information that some stranger could use to help them, help them. So that's number one. So the mantra for me is talk to strangers. Now, since I've said that for 30 years People have now talked about something I actually wrote about in my second book, Secrets of Savvy Networking that the people that we don't know know other people that we don't know. It's now called the weak ties. But I actually encouraged people to talk to the people they're not that close to and let them know about what's going on in their lives because they might have that contact to the new client, the right. new job, the new apartment, the ha- home that's coming up on the market that you can maybe afford. Of course, I live in. San Francisco, so that doesn't happen here at all for the you can afford, yeah, and do you see what I just did? I added in and I live here in San Francisco, so that I've given a tidbit of information that if someone has a friend or a relative in the San Francisco area, they could say, "Oh, my cousin's there, oh, my friend's going to be moving there for a job. Another tip I give people is don't be a monosyllabic speaker those. To the point, people, drive me out of my mind. I've heard (laughs) someone once said to me, get to the point. This is what I said. Really, if I knew the point of the story, I wouldn't have had to say it to you. (laughs) 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 I need to hear it out loud. And that's what coaches do. They help people say their stories so they can hear the answers. So talk to strangers.
0: And if we're actually networking, we want to talk with strangers. If we're at a networking event, what point would there be if you didn't talk to strangers?
1: Well, and that's the other one. I want to give you something that's my, I guess you could call it my big emphasis. Knowing how to work a room is very different than being a good networker. I think people use the umbrella term where there should be no umbrella. They are two distinct skills and they intertwine and together they're magnificent. You can be great at working room. I I wrote about it. You know, we've seen these people. They're so much fun to be around, great conversationalists. They want nothing to do with you after. They're just there for the good time. They don't want the obligation. They're not going to follow up. They don't even come with cards because they don't want to follow up. And then there are people who are great at networking. They do what they say they're going to do when they say they're going to do it. You're going to get the article. You're going to have the e-intro in your mailbox within two days. They are great networkers. They listen. They follow up. They're matchmakers. I know people now call them connectors because of Malcolm Gladwell's book. Because of Secrets of Savvy Networking, I call them matchmakers. In fact, I have a whole chapter called Matchmaker, Matchmaker, Make Me a Match. But I changed it to Networker, Networker, Make Me a Match. Those people are great networkers and the idea of walking into a room full of people can still be daunting for them. So that's the proof. And I wrote two separate books, two, 300 pages a piece, no repetition. So what you want is the combination of being able to socialize, Mm -hmm. circulate, mingle, plus really high level nuanced networking. There are a lot of people that do networking, but they're at that basic level that they don't understand the savvy part of it. The nuanced part that really shows that you have wisdom, that you have street sense, that you have people skills.
0: So what are some tips you would give to, to for somebody to be savvy in their interactions?
1: Number one is take the focus off yourself. So key. And- It's so key. In fact, I learned this. I was speaking in Hawaii. I was doing a session and one woman raised her hand. She was a very well-known trainer in, in Oahu. And she said, you know, Susan, what really works for people is if you think of other people's comfort and how to make them comfortable with you, your reluctance, your shyness, your introversion, really kind of disappears because you're focused on making the other person welcome into a conversation. I thought that was brilliant.
0: About. That is brilliant. That is- so that's so-
1: one tip. I want all our listeners or viewers to write this down. Okay. You have to prepare. I know. I'm a former teacher. Write it down. Get out your paper <laughs> and pencil. Why are you here without paper and pencil? What you do is you have your own planned practice self introduction wherever you go. And the Roanne self introduction is very different than what you'll hear at a networking club. Okay. It's, number one, it's seven to nine seconds. It's a pleasantry. Oh, it's so nice to meet you. What brought you to this event? Or gee. So-and-so said, I had to meet you. I'm so glad I found you and located you. Or if it's an event that has our hors d'oeuvre saying, that deliver- hors d'oeuvre looks delicious. How many calories do you think it has? Now, I know some people are saying, well, that's small talk. And we're going to get back to that. Small talk is the most important talk we can do. It's how we find out what we have in common and who we have in common. And by the way, here's big talk. Gee whiz, the Napa and Sonoma are burning. The floods are killing people in Puerto Rico. There's famine and poverty. That's big talk. Not how you start a conversation with a beverage in one hand and an hors d'oeuvre in another. You start with small talk. And build. So we're going to go back to the self introduction. Seven to nine seconds. It's a pleasantry. Second trait, it's linked to the event. How you introduce yourself at a corporate event, at a holiday event, whatever holiday it is you're celebrating. You know, it could be Halloween, it could be Thanksgiving, it, it could be. Whatever mm-hmm. it could be, I lost five pounds. That would be a holiday event.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a holiday event. Yes. yes. I, why
1: did I just put my biggest goal into that comment? I,
0: don't know <laughs> I it, I, it must just be you know right there <laughs> below the. I, it's, so, it just needed to be shared. It, it, it was waiting to come.
1: And you see what we just did? I mentioned it. You picked it up. We're laughing. We're having a conversation. It is okay to bring the personal to a business event because you're talking, get this, to an actual person. Why wouldn't you? People connect with who we are, not what we do. Well,
0: and I noticed that you've used some light humor. You've been able to kind of, you know, well, why did I bring that up? And, and you know, so it, it breaks the ice. It, it creates, like you said, creates that connection, allows you to share that energy with somebody.
1: And if you'll notice, because I've written about humor, in fact, for writing How to Work a Room the first time, I went to the humor library in the San Francisco library. You want to fall asleep? Read the research on humor. Oh my gosh, boring. However, I learned a lot, but I also learned, and I've said it in almost every one of my books, a sense of humor can bond people, but it must never, not a comment, not a joke, not a story, can be at the expense of another person or another group. I kind of made lighthearted about myself, but I've seen people think that their humor is to, I'm going to put you down, but I'm going to laugh. That really is a turnoff to me. So yes, I hopefully was fun, but here's another thing. Humor is also recognizing other people's humor in coming to every place in our life ready to smile and laugh if something fun or funny happens. One of the things I'll do if I hear someone say something that's funny, I'll laugh and I'll say, oh my goodness, that was so funny. Can I write that down and quote you? Now, who's going to say no, no? I don't want you to say that I have a good sense of humor. People love that. So that's my point about humor. But let's get back to you make your self-introduction match where you're at. If you're at an event, if you're at a wedding, Nobody cares what you do. Do you know the bride? Do you know the groom? How do you know them? So what you have to do is give people context for why you're at whatever event. That's the second trait. And the third trade I got from our mutual friend Patricia Fripp, magnificent executive coach and speaker, and my we're the M M&M and M girls. What it stands for is museums and musicals. We love our musicals and comedy. But Patricia Fripp said, Rowan, when you tell this to people, tell them don't give their job title. Give the benefit of what you do. Because if you give your job title at one company, it could mean something different in another company. And for coaches, when you say you're a coach." But give the benefit of what you do. I help people sleep better at night, you know. Right. You know, what does that mean? Do you own a pharmaceutical company? (laughs) But it gives people a chance to ask you the first question. They feel they've started the conversation. And then you're in a dialogue. And then here's the magic. And then a little bit into that where you're explaining what you do. Stop. Take a breath and say these magic words and what about you? If you say, what do you do? Well, some people don't like their jobs, but right. they love what they do as a volunteer. My friend never talks about her job. She talks about her work with suicide prevention. But when you say, and what about
0: you? It allows them to make a choice. And exactly. coaches should certainly be good at they, We want to keep our questions open enough that the person we're talking with decides the direction that's going to go in.
1: Exactly. And then you pick up from there. So those are the three about your self-introduction. But if you know how you're going to introduce yourself at every event you go to, you're more comfortable. You feel prepared. Here's another one. If I hear one more person say, I'm way too busy to read a paper. There is no excuse in today's technology world to not know what's going on. If you don't know what's going on, you don't know what's going on in places around the world. This is a global economy. You never know when you're going to be on a webinar or something with someone from Asia or Europe or the Middle East. Read, listen to the news, get it content curated on your phone. And then you can know also the baseball scores, the football scores, and basketball scores and new movies.
0: So all these things would help you, A, just be a better informed human being and and world member, but uh, also if something were to come up while you're... In the room or, or meeting people, you're you're better equipped to be able to kind of respond and, and share and explore and that, and that's
1: and we're talking about every room that a coach is in is full of potential clients and even more so potential referrals. So why people will refer to you is if they have an experience of you that's positive, it's connected, that establishes trust. So. All that I'm talking about is what
0: you do to make people comfortable with you so that they feel those things about you. Okay, so one thing is to be socially kind of responsible and, and just to, to know the kinds of things that are going on in the world. You mentioned earlier that we were going to circle back around to small, talk. yes, small talk, and I'm wondering what tidbits you have hidden away about small talk.
1: Number one, I said it, I'll say it again, it's the biggest talk you can do. Number two, when I go to any event or anything, and now what you do in your coaching practice to start with big things is one thing, but even so, the first time you meet a client, you don't start with like their worst possible nightmare you make them feel at ease.
0: Build that trust and intimacy. Absolutely. Build that. But small
1: talk is how we build it. That's how we find out what and who we have in common, which is what I said. But you have to come with the idea that the people in every room are going to be good people, that they're going to be fun. And here's the tip that sounds totally Pollyannish. The number one goal in going into every room is not what you think it is. It isn't, I have to meet five people. I need to come away with three cards. No, 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 no. It's to have a good time. And I'll tell you why. When you have a good time, you're smiling. If you're smiling, you're easy to approach. You're approachable. If you are having a good time, the room works you.
0: And people are going to be drawn to you. And when you approach people, they're more welcoming. And so that's, that's it. But small talk is how we find out.
1: I'm originally from Chicago. Whenever I do a speech or whatever, the first thing, how many people here are from Chicago? I will stop the speech and say, okay, tell me your favorite pizza place. And we'll have this whole thing. Lou Malnado's. I'm a Gino Z. As soon as they say Gino Z, I go, I am so right there with you. Lou Malnado's, not so much. And then they'll come with Gi- Giordano's. And the audience sits there and I say to them, no, there actually was a point to that exercise. Do you see what happens when you find, eat pizza, you know, that would be a topic anywhere, I would hope. But if you're with a
0: civilized audience, yeah. Wouldn't you think? And
1: deep dish versus thin crust, well, that's another thing. But do you see what people do? People talk about food. I always said, this is why the generation of grandmothers were the most brilliant, the most brilliant negotiators and mediators. What do you mean? How, what do you mean? My grandmother, you know, worked in a match factory. She escaped from Russia. I said, oh, because they knew if they put a lot of food on the table and made you eat two and three helpings, you'd be so stuffed you couldn't have a fight with your cousin. So they, were the, they used food as their negotiating and mediating. We talk about food. We talk about our connections. We talk about where we're from, what we're interested in. We have kids. We have pets. We have in-laws. We have parents. We went to school. We went to camp. We like teams.
0: So what do you see as small talk opening up? What doors does small talk open up for people?
1: Well, the doors it opens are the doors to big talk. So Here's, start with this. It was given to me by a gentleman who called into a public radio, an NPR station that I was speaking on. And he said, he sounded quite a bit older. And he said, you know, when we were growing up and go to the town for our dances, we had a saying, because he was on a farm, the roof is the introduction. I've added that in several books, in all my presentations. When you're in the same room, you already have something in common. It's the gift horse of conversation. Mm Mm-hmm. So what are you there for? Is it a conference, a meeting, a mixer, a wedding, a fundraiser for the Leukemia Society, for the people from the Puerto Rico, Hurricane, Hurricane Maria? Yeah. You already have something in common. And you either drove, took an Uber, had to find a parking space, encountered traffic. These are the little things, but it's the little things we have in common with people that lead to the big things. Mm-hmm. So you start with anything. How about the food? Look at the food. In fact, I, I will give your audience my best hint. When you go to an event that is like an evening event that people are circulating in their buffet tables of food, this is the Roanne rule. Start with the dessert table. And I'll tell you why. The people that are trying to decide between a little mini eclair, a mini brownie, or some other fattening dessert, they're so easy to talk to. <laughs> You can talk about food and how many calories, and that looks delicious. And I know this is, the vegetarians aren't going to like this, but I have never found that same openness at the cut-up vegetable table.
0: Good to know. So start with the low-hanging fruit, which is around the desserts.
1: Yes. And then, you know, when you walk into a room, and, and I'm going to say this, y'all may be coaches, but there's still a portion of you that self-identify as introverts self-identify mm-hmm. as shy. Mm-hmm. What you do is when you walk into any room, and it can even be a family event because sometimes those are
0: so the most those daunting. Can trying, yes.
1: Yeah, trying, yes. Before you walk in, stand at the door, take a deep breath, look around, see where the food is, see where the bar is, see if you see a familiar face, look around, take a deep breath, and get the lay of the land.
0: That is a, a great point because the reality is, and I'll hear from coaches repeatedly, I love coaching. I love connecting with my clients. I'm not fond of networking and, and moving and working a room. I'm not fond of making conversation with people that, that I don't know. And yet you're saying that there's there's some real, not only benefit to that, but there's, there's some tools and techniques that we might be able to use to make that that much easier and yes. begin to open up. Now, I will say, in all the years that I've been in business for myself, which is now 30, whatever, the relationships that I've developed through beginning with small talk, with beginning just creating the relationships is what I've built my business on.
1: And I would agree, and I would say that Meg and I talked about this earlier, but I will tell you, four of the dearest people in my life over the last 32 years are people I've met either on airplanes or in an airport. And we bonded because of a funny comment. We bonded. Well, one woman and I were waiting for our plane and we saw a policeman with a dog, canine. And we, and then they gave us some stupid excuse why we were late. And she and I, this is how we knew we liked each other. We both rolled our eyes at the same time and said, yeah, right. And we have been friends ever since. And we see each other in other cities that we both happen to be in. We stay in touch. The world is full of really interesting, nice people.
0: It really is.
1: But I'm going to jump on what you said. This idea of a lot of people going, I hate networking events. I, well, don't go to network go to socialize, go to meet people, go to have a good time. And I've said this for years. The problem is network has the word work in it. Work Mm -hmm. is an expenditure of energy. This isn't what we go to defense. If you go with that attitude, oh my gosh, we will see it on your face and we'll Mm -hmm. never approach you. Go everywhere saying this is a room full of interesting, experienced, possibly fun people, and I am going to have a good time and meet people and have great conversations. And what, when people say, that's that doesn't work for me, I'm going to tell you what my femtor, because she said she couldn't be my mentor, told me many years ago, the late Sally Livingston. She said, the first thing we have to do by going to any event is to adjust our attitude. Every single person That is watching, you have been networking, but don't use that word anymore. Call it socializing, call it meeting, call it conversing. And when they say networking events, there's no such thing as a networking event.
0: It's an event
1: you're going to talk to people, have a drink, an hors d'oeuvre, exchange a card.
0: So I am curious what if you had to identify just one piece of information you want people to? Walk away with it. You, you know, if you forget everything else I said, this is something that is just key. I want all of you to remember.
1: Go everywhere, and I learned this from Dr. Del Sheely, who wrote this article in Success Magazine in 1985. And I always give her credit. Learn that for me. Always give credit and at- attribution. Always act like the host. Don't act like a guest. Feed me. Bring me a drink. Tell me amusing stories. Make me have a good time. Introduce me around. Always act like the host, even if your name isn't on the evite or invite. Make other people comfortable with you. Welcome them. Introduce them to other people. In fact, most CEOs that have been in my sessions have said that's the number one tip and read my book that they found helpful. Act like the host wherever you go. You take the onus off yourself and you make other people feel important and that you've paid attention to them and that's what we all
0: want. Oh, that is so key. I mean, if you think about that, even when you act as the host, I think of the work meeting I was at last night, which is sort of a, it was a, a social gathering, and that there were people there. So if you see other people who are uncomfortable being somewhere, and you're, in the mindset that you're the host, then you're going to be more likely to go up to them and to to introduce yourself to them and to see how they're with the mindset that you're reducing any discomfort they might have about being there. I love that. I love the concept.
1: What you just said is the thing. When you are doing that, you are making people who heretofore were uncomfortable feel comfortable. They'll never forget you. They'll be happy to refer people to you because you've done something special. There's no point in talking about diversity if you're not doing things that are inclusive. So my final tip is when you see someone standing alone at an event, there may be, they may be more shy, feel more uncomfortable than you. Always go over to that person alone. You never know. That's my marketing tip sounding like my grandmother, you never know. They could own 65% of the company and hire you to work with all their people. We always think we can tell who people are by the way they're dressed or the title on their name tag, and we can't. So I'm going to give this in my final bit of advice, and I know some of you are going to go, really, I turned into this? But this will really carry you through. We have to be nice to everyone because we don't know, and I say this in this way, we can never judge tomorrow's book by today's cover.
0: Excellent. Thank you Susan for spending time with us today.
1: And my pleasure. How to work rooms in the bookstores come visit my site. How to work rooms. And all that
0: information will be on our, our on yes. the resource page. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. As with so many things that we talk about here on the show, it seems to come back to being authentic and genuine and being our best self in whatever arena we're in. I hope you enjoyed our interview with Susan Rowan. If you'd like to know more about Susan and the resources that she's offering, visit StarCoachShow.com and go to our resource page You might also sign up for the ongoing book giveaway when you are on our site, as well as check out information about our Star Coach member community. This is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. We'll see you next week.